I don't want you guys to miss what the Lord has for you. I really don't. And uh, none of these messages just come by chance. It's not like I got online and just found one and copied and pasted. This has been a lot of time praying about what God wants me to say to his people and you're his people. So I just, I don't want you to miss out on anything. So today we're going to start a series I'm really excited about, about prayer. Uh, to be honest with you, prayer is one of those areas that I have, when, when, I, when I go through a drought, anybody ever kind of go through a spiritual drought and you just, you're, you're going through the motions and you just don't feel that connected. When I'm going through a drought, because I have and I'm sure that I will again, do you know what the biggest issue that I have during my drought is prayer? Prayer is that part that I, I love getting into God's Word. I love learning more about I, I'm a student. I love being a student. I'm a student of all kinds of things, but I love being a student of God's Word. But there are some times that I struggle connecting with God on that spiritual level in prayer. And so then what happened is God started pouring, and I said, I know what my problem is, Lord. My problem is the, the prayer part. So he goes, well, then why don't you start studying it more? And I said, okay, Father, I will. So, so here we are. So we're going to look at today, we're going to talk about part one of a 90-part series. I'm kidding, not 90. So, um, but uh, we're going to talk about relational prayer today. We're going to talk about relational prayer. Uh, it's in the, the book of Matthew. So if you want to turn in uh, your Bibles, I'm going to have the verses up here as well. But if you like to, I want you to see it. But we're going to talk about the model prayer. You've heard it as the Lord's Prayer, and I'm going to explain why I call it the model prayer. But it can be broken into two parts. The first half of the prayer is all about our Father. It's all about God. Then the second half of the prayer is then where we come into the picture. I think a lot of times we kind of skip over and go straight to the, you know, like in our prayer life, we go straight to the point. God, I don't, wanna, I don't have time. I'm really busy. So we're just going to get right to it, God. This is what I need. Well, that's not how we were taught to pray. And I want to make sure that we understand we're going to take this line by line over the next six weeks about the, the, the model prayer. And we're going to learn a lot about prayer. But uh, the reason why I don't call it the Lord's Prayer is because Jesus could not have prayed it. Oh, you guys quiet. Oh, I like that. All right. Got your, got your attention. Do you know why he couldn't have prayed it? Because he could never ask for forgiveness because he never sinned. The model prayer is in response to what the disciples asked for. In Luke 11, 1, this is the same passage. So Matthew 6 is the same passage as Luke 11, 1. And Luke 11, 1, Jesus, one day Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he had finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. Lord, teach us. Like, teach us how to pray. We want to pray like you. And I want you to think about this. I started thinking, well, why are they asking to learn how to pray? Think about this. Every time Jesus went up on the mountain and he got alone with God, he came down and miracles happened. Lives were changed. So what they're seeing is they're like, okay, one plus one equals two. So every time Jesus goes up on the, and gets away from us and he goes and meets with the Father, he comes down here and the blind receive the sight, the lame start walking, lives start changing, demons start running. I want that kind of prayer life. Amen? See, that's what I'm hoping is that when we get done with this, we can say, God, I want that kind. So they said, Jesus, you just got back from praying. Would you teach us how to do what you do? Teach us how to have that kind of relationship with God so that we'll be more fruitful in his kingdom.
one of the amazing things that I start seeing is they wanted the same kind of a relationship that, that Jesus had with the Father. And a lot of times, because one of the things that Jesus taught. So I want to show you something that Jesus taught in, in, in John chapter 5. He said this, Jesus gave them this answer. Very truly, I tell you, the Son of Man can do nothing by himself. Sometimes we just kind of skip right over that, don't we? Now, this is not me teaching you something different about Jesus. This is Jesus speaking these words. These are red-letter words in your Bible. Jesus is saying, he's saying, I very, I, 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 very truly, I tell you, the son, of, the son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees the Father doing because whatever the Father does, the Son also does. What he's saying is, listen, I'm not doing this without the Father. So when I see the Father move, I begin to move. Well, as a disciple of Christ, don't we want to have that kind? When I see the Father starting to move, I want to move with him. It was like the biggest point of Henry Blackaby's experiencing God. Find out where God is moving, where he's working, and join him there. He says almost the same thing again. By myself, I can do nothing I judge only as I hear, and my judgment is just, for I seek not to please myself, but him who sent me. Jesus was constantly pointing to the Father. So as we get into today's passage, we are going to be in the book of Matthew chapter 6. Jesus began to give some precautions, some things. He set the stage before he actually began to give them the model prayer. And, and here's what it says in Matthew chapter 6, verses 5 through 8. says this, and when you pray. So if you're an underliner like me and you like to mark in your Bible, the first thing I would tell you to do is either circle or underline the word when. It's not if. When you pray. When you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets, that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But when you pray, go into your room. When you have shut your door, pray to the Father who is in a secret place, and your Father who sees in a secret will reward you openly. And when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that by their many words they will be heard. The next verse says this, Therefore do not be like them, for your Father knows the things you have need before you ask. Do you realize that? He already knows what you need before you ever even go to Him. I'll get back to this in just a minute, but I want you to see that. So in this manner, therefore pray, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. So the first thing I want to bring is, as he's bringing up precautions, precautions is this. When you pray, not if you pray. Okay? When you pray. Now, I want to share with you something really neat about this in, in, your, in your Bible. When it says, when you pray, in the Greek, there is a little nugget that is a life changer. I mean, it should be common sense, when you pray, not if you pray, right? We all want to pray. But here's what's the most amazing thing about this. The words, the phrase, when you pray is either one of two voices, not active, which most people think of and most people pray in, but it's either middle voice or passive voice, and I'm going to tell you exactly what that means. In the Greek, when you pray, middle voice means this. The subject, which is the one praying, us, is meeting the object of prayer, God, in the middle. 
I'm going to him and he's coming to me. We're meeting in the tree or, you know, beneath the tree in the old. Okay, never mind. That's a country song. So we're meeting in the middle. Now, or it is passive. So it can be either one. When it says when you pray, it could either be middle voice or passive voice. And passive passive voice means this. The object of prayer, God, is the one completely setting up the meeting with you. God's coming to you. So it says when you pray, it's either this. You are meeting with God in the middle. I'm talking to him and he's talking to me. Or he's coming to me because he has a word for me. Most people pray in an active voice, and the active voice means this. I'm going to God telling him what I want him to do, when I want him to do it, and how I want him to do it. That's the American prayer. I want to be, uh, let's be honest about our prayers. How many of us, when we go to God and say, God, I need you, and then we give God this long honey to-do list? Come on, right? Don't we? We, we? See, the thing is, is that's not what prayer is about. What prayer is about is saying, God, I got some issues, and I need some answers. Help me. Meet me here. Tell me what to do. A lot of times what we want God to do is because we know he's all-powerful. Daddy, just fix the problem. Just cover it up. Do the quick fix thing. God, I don't care what you do. Just fix it real fast. You can do this. You're all-powerful. What God wants to do is he wants to meet with you. He wants to connect with you in a personal way. The second thing I want you to see in this was a secret place, not a public place. Not saying that we shouldn't pray. I don't want Cheyenne to stop praying over our service. I don't want Pastor Paul to stop praying over our service. But I think a lot of times what we, what we, what we really miss out on is really getting alone with God finding that quiet place. Most of the time I find people when they're praying, a lot of times what we end up doing is we, we have the radio on, we have worship music on, we have the TV on in the background, we've got kids running around, and we never actually get a place that's quiet without distractions. And the thing is, is it's like we don't know how to shut the stupid phone off. You know there's a mute button on there for a reason, there's an off button for a reason, it does not own you. This is me and God times see your way out here. A, B conversation, see your way out. Right? This is a taco burrito nachos. Right? I mean, sometimes you just need to tell that phone that it needs to shut up. Think about it. How many times were you like, God, I want to meet with you, and then all of a sudden your phone starts going off, and you're like, oh, man, I got stuff to do. Or your mind is already thinking about work, and you don't have time to meet with God. Well, no wonder our prayer life is a mess because we're not finding the quiet place to meet with God. I got so far off my notes, I don't even know where I'm at. We're <laughs> <laughs> right here. Right. So, all right, the third precaution that he gave us is this. Prayer is relational or it's not prayer. Whew, I like that. I sit in there and I was like, Lord, I, I, I need something to... to, to to speak to us, relation, it's relational or it's not prayer. Prayer, guys, you need to understand a prayer is a communication between God and his person, you, God and people. So if you're not connecting with him and he's not connecting with you, then you're just saying a bunch of words. And I'm telling you, people, we have gotten really good at saying prayers, but really bad at actual praying. 
We can say prayers and they can sound really good and they can sound really heartfelt, but if you're not connecting with God, it's not prayer. It's a two-way street, not a one-way street. So if you're not meeting with God, that's not actual prayer. You're just saying a bunch of words and saying in Jesus' name. Not to be mean, not to be heartless. I want to challenge us to find a prayer life that we've maybe never had before. It'll change your life. It'll change your spouse's life. It'll change your kid's life. It'll change everything. So, this whole message today is about being a relational. Prayer is relational, not informational. Okay? So this is, we're about to get into that first line of this prayer. Relational, not information. Before you begin to pray, consider this. Your father already knows what you need. Isn't that remarkable? Before you ever say, Father, he's like, I already know. God already knows everything going on in your life. He already knows all of the storms that you've been dealing with. He knows all the pain you're going through. He knows all the people who are talking behind your back. He knows everything you're going through already. He already knows it. He just wants to see if you're willing to come talk to Daddy about it. That's what he's wanting. He wants, will you come talk to me about this? Or are you going to handle it alone again? Right? How often we, we say, okay, God, either fix it or I'm dealing with it myself. That's not prayer either. Sometimes we, we act like this prayer is us informing God like he didn't already know. God, I don't know if you know this or not. You know, I know that you've got a busy plate up there and, and I know that you're all knowing, but just in case you didn't know, this guy over here is doing this. I, I'd like you to slap him upside the head for us all. Come on, don't we sometimes do that? We get mad at somebody and, 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 and maybe they're just a, a big old dummy. Like, God, I don't know if you're watching this or not. Could you just, you know, kick them in the rear, trip them down, you know? It's kind of like the old, the, the, this country song that my daughter sent me the other day. And she goes, I love this song and it's about prayer. And I'm like, oh, and it's a country song. And so then I start listening to this song and, and it was kind of like, a, I guess there was a breakup that happened in this song. And she's like, I'm going to pray that your brakes go out going down a hill and pray that I'm like yeah that's a really good prayer one you know so that's not the kind of prayer we're talking about see God already knows our father already knows he's just waiting for you to want to talk to him about it think about that just just let that soak in God already knows everything that's going on in your life. He knows all of your pains. He knows all of your hurts. He knows your addictions. He knows all the lies that you've been telling to cover up those, you know, problems, right? He knows everything. God already knows everything. And he's just waiting for you to meet with him. Just because he's all-knowing doesn't mean that he has to act upon his knowledge there was a time when after Malachi passed it was very hard for me to pray I struggled I'm like well God already knows what he's going to do and he's already going to do whatever he wants so why and I, I never lost my faith but I struggled I, I mean I want to be completely honest with you I struggled so hard with prayer like God the only thing I asked for for like two years was that you would heal my son that's all I asked for 
I told you I would trade places. I would gladly die. Just keep him alive. That's all I wanted. And he didn't answer the prayer the way I wanted. So then I struggled with why pray. I did, I did. And when people would call me, I never said it. Then people were like, you know, hey, would you pray for me? I'm like, are you sure? Because the last time I prayed, it didn't work out so good. I mean, that was my cynical, I'm just being honest. That was my cynical prayer, I'm, my, my thought process. I'm like, you know, I don't know if you want me to pray for healing because I'm not very good at it. I struggled. I struggled. And God had a beautiful plan for my son. And I'm so glad that God has been pouring into my heart about prayer and how he just wanted me to meet with him. My broken heart just to meet with the Father. And sometimes that's what, he's just waiting. Daniel, quit trying to control me. Quit trying to manipulate me. I have a plan for him and I have a plan for you and I have a plan for living water. I have a plan. Just would you come to me and meet with me instead of you trying to twist my arm and make me do something that you want me to do? Don't we do that? My mentor told me, he said, Daniel, you cannot strong arm God and you cannot manipulate him. My biggest problem with prayer is that most important aspect of it that he wants to meet with me but i get too busy i get too busy god i want to meet with you but i just don't have time today maybe tomorrow maybe i'll get up a little bit earlier but god i just don't how many of us just don't have time to meet with god okay i'm only one being honest all right it's okay it's all right i mean don't we struggle there so the prayer begins when he says, our Father, right? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. That's the first line. And this is all about relational. It's all about meeting with our Father. What I love in, in the Aramaic, it's, it's actually Jesus said, Abba. It means Daddy. We, we translate it our Father because we think it sounds better, but it's really Daddy like a child meeting with his father. That's what Jesus is trying to teach us, that this intimate prayer is, is if you're a child meeting with your daddy. I mean, think about it. When, you, when your worst moments or when you were really scared of something happening, and, and if you had a really good earthly father, they were like their protector, right? They were the one that you would run to if, they, if you were scared. You know, like my dad was not like a big, strong, like big muscular guy, but my dad was a, a cowboy. And I'm like, like, I watched, well, I didn't watch it, but he broke his hand punching a cow in the face once because it had pushed him up again. I mean, I'll tell you what, cowboys are just tough. I'm like, I don't care how big you are, my daddy will give it everything he's got, you know. He, uh, he, he got hit in the head once with a, with a pipe and it broke his jaw and he just walked in the house. He couldn't talk, his jaw was like hanging down here and, and then he just got it wired and I just, you know, he didn't talk a lot during that, that time. I mean, it was, it was pretty quiet in the house, but I mean, so... He broke his pelvis on a, on, a, on a bucking horse that threw back on him once, and they both, he, wasn't gonna, he wasn't jumping off, and he held on, and he broke his pelvis and still got back on the horse and finished it, and then he came to the house to go to the doctor. A lot of times when you think about our daddies, they're the ones we should be able to run to. Men, I'm going to call you out. Any men in this house, if you're not the daddy that your kids can run to, you need to change something, and you need to change it now. You need to be Jesus 
showed us, and our, our Father in heaven has given us the model that we're to imitate, as I know that I will never be anything near my Father in heaven, but I want to do everything I can to be just like him as much as I can, as much as I can. And so our Father, it's coming to a Father. It's coming to our Daddy. And I was thinking of, I was thinking of uh, having young kids, you end up watching lots of cartoons. Um, I was thinking of the Lion King. And when the big lion takes out little Simba and Simba's like, you know, talking about how tough his daddy is. He goes, you know, you're, nobody messes with your daddy. You guys realize that our daddy, our father in heaven, nobody can mess with him. I mean, when you start thinking about power and you start thinking about we good, we are, he's wanting to meet. Our father is not just our father, but he's the king of kings. He's the Lord of lords. He's the almighty creator. And he wants a relationship with us and no one can mess with him. No one can mess with your daddy in heaven. Now, I want to I make sure that we don't miss this. It says our father. You didn't, it didn't say my father. You guys hear me, right? Don't miss this. A lot of Americans have missed this. Our father in heaven. That means that we, the many, all the believers who have been adopted into God's family, all of the, 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 the Christians across the world, we share the same father in heaven. And sometimes in our prayer lives, we act pretty selfishly, don't we? As if I'm an only child. And we treat God like we're an only child and we're constantly, and, and there's so many times in my prayer life, I was only thinking about what I wanted. I wasn't thinking about my fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. And I want you to think about this. How can I go to my Father in heaven? Because I think about, you know, we have, we have, we have seven children. So I, I often think about, you know, when my kids aren't getting along with each other, I don't want to say yes to them. When we get into the car is usually the, the most arguing that I hear, or when it's time to do the kitchen. And I, did, I washed last time, I'm not washing this time. Well, I did this, and I did that, and I'm listening to all the bickering. And then they say, hey, Daddy, I want to go to, or they don't say Daddy, but hey, Dad, I want to go to somebody's house. I'm like, yeah, no. I have zero desire to give in to anything that you want when you're bickering with your brothers and your sisters. When you guys are all like really nice and you're playing good games, you know, like you're playing nice and I'm like, wow, this is, a, what do you want? I don't even know. I don't, you want ice cream? We'll go get some ice cream. But have you ever thought about how important unity is to God? In John chapter 17, Jesus prayed. The, the thing that he prayed for all the believers is that they would be one with each other. Just like Jesus is one with the Father. That we would be one with each other. And you know what? I watch this all the time. People get offended all the time. And they quit the family of God over and over and over and over. And then they wonder why their prayers don't get past the ceiling. Because they don't even know how to get along with their brothers and their sisters. How many times do our prayers get hindered because we can't keep unity in the family of God? We are all brothers and sisters in this family. And when churches can't get along with other churches, same thing. Same thing. Actually, I talked right through that point. So it's, it's behind you for just a minute while I'm changing my page. <laughs> All right, so the next thing that we saw, so our Father in heaven, who art in heaven, who lives in heaven. So prayer, location without limitation. 
One of the things that when you call out to your father, remember where he is. He is in heaven. Don't you forget where your daddy's from. Don't you forget that no one messes with him because he is the king above all kings and he resides. He is sitting on the throne above all thrones. Let me show you something. John 3, 31. The one who comes from above is above all. The one who is from the earth belongs to the earth and speaks as one from the earth. But the one who comes from heaven is above all. Check this out. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 17. I keep asking that God, our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know, that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in, the holy, in his holy people and in his com- incomparably great power for us who believe. Now listen to this, the next part of that, verse 19, that the power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ. The same power. We just sang about the same God. He's saying the same power that raised Christ from the dead is the same power you reach out to when you pray. raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in heavenly realms far, listen to this, in heavenly realms, heavenly realms far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and every name that is invoked, not only in the present, but the one to come. God has placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be the head. I want you to understand what Paul's saying. He's saying, listen, the one we're praying to, the one we're learning about, he's sitting in a heavenly throne that's above every power known. He's above every dominion, every kingdom, every authority. Our daddy is the king above all kings. That's who he is. So he says, And he placed all things, God the Father placed all things under his feet, under Jesus' feet, and appointed him to be the head over everything. What? For the church. For you and me. Because so many people say, you know, I, I really, I'm watching this world kind of fall apart around us, right? Where people don't have time for the church anymore, right? We don't have time. We don't join we, we don't, that the people stop gathering together and what they don't realize is that church is not a pastor's idea. This wasn't my idea. This was Jesus's idea. This was Jesus's plan to take a whole bunch of flawed people and put them in one room together. Raise your hand if you've, if you've got some weaknesses in your life, right? Raise your hand if you've got some drama in your life. Raise your hand if somebody sitting next to you has got some drama in their life they'd like to share with you. Amen. See, we bring all of our mess. We bring all of our weakness. We bring all of our limitation. We bring all of our mess. And somehow it works. (laughs) Come on, right? It does. You put a bunch of messed up people in one room who love Jesus, and it just works. See, church is his idea, not mine. And look at what it says. Don't miss this. It says this, to him who is the head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him. You will never have the fullness of God if you're not a part of his body. That might be something you want to write down. That's the scripture. Think about that. 
So many people, because they get mad, they get offended. I don't like the sermon. I don't like that person. I don't like somebody who's sitting on the other side of the church. I don't like, we got brothers and sisters not getting along in the body of Christ. And so one of the brothers or sisters says, I don't want to go anymore. And they're missing out on the fullness of God. They are making a choice to miss out on the fullness of God. Somehow the fullness of God happens in these places. Don't you feel it? When we sing out to God and we cry out to God, when we fall at the altar, don't you just feel the fullness of something that you've been missing all week long? And somehow when you get into his house and his name and something happens, it's the fullness of him. Okay, so the last part, the last part I want you to see, prayer. Respect his name or don't ask for his fame. Woo! I'm a poet and didn't know it. All right, so I need you guys to listen real hard. This is the last thing, kind of. It's my last major point. How about that? God has 950 names throughout the Bible. 950 names throughout the Bible. 950 names. That means something. Because every one of those names mean something. And I'm going to share a couple of them with you in a minute. Well, I'm going to share with the first one right now. The first name that you'll ever see in the Bible, in the beginning, Elohim. Elohim. In In the beginning, Elohim. This is God's power name. This is the creator name. This is the first name God gave when he exerted his power to create. He is an almighty God, Elohim. We see Elohim throughout the Bible. Maybe the most used name of all of his names, Elohim. It's very close to El Shaddai. If you've ever heard El Shaddai, it means almighty God. Now, the second name I want to bring to you Yahweh. So what's really interesting about, we always pronounce it Yahweh, is it's the only Hebrew word that the Hebrews refused to put vowels to. When they wrote out the Bible in a written form, this is the name of God. This is the personal name of God. And so what they did is they, this, they, they believed that this is his personal name. This is his most intimate name, and they refused to alter it in any way. So they didn't even add vowels to it. So that's why you see Y-H-W-H. Now in Hebrew, the Y would be the little comma-looking thing, and it goes this way because they, they, they go the opposite direction as us. This is his relational name. It's very, so in in fact, when we see a J, we pronounce it Jehovah or Jesus. In the Hebrew, they would, Yeshua was actually Jesus' name, but we, because of English and the transliteration, we just kind of take a J and pronounce it as a J when they pronounce it like a Y. So let me give you a couple of personal parts when we talk about the personal God. Jehovah Jireh, God provider, when you're in need, you're going to cry out to Jehovah Jireh. Jehovah Shalom is the God of peace when anxiety is in your life. You're going to cry out to Jehovah Shalom. These are his names. 
somebody's messing with you, your enemy's approaching, you're going to cry out to Jehovah Nisi. It means God is my banner. Wade, Jehovah Nisi. He's your banner. When the enemies come, those banners, those big, tall banners would show the strength. It was something that was like your pride thing. I mean, you would, you'd be out there and you'd be marching with your banners. And God is your banner. He is your banner to strike fear into the enemy. Jehovah Shammah, when you feel alone, for God is there. When you've lost all of your righteousness and you've fallen into sin, maybe you're going to cry out to Jehovah Tizdikni, God is my righteousness. See, we have a personal God who has all these personal names that he wants you to get to know him. He wants you to be able to know that he is Jehovah Jireh, that he's Jehovah Nisi, he is Jehovah Shalom. Every one of these names means he has the power to fulfill his name. Think about a study of 950 names. Maybe that might become your devotional life from here. 950 days for 950 names. If you wanted to know who God is, your name tells you a lot about who you are. Especially in the Hebrew. To the Hebrews, their names were very important. But here's the deal. When we start talking about a personal God, if you don't want to connect with the personal God, then you don't, shouldn't expect the power of God. If I do not want to meet with Yahweh, if I don't want to meet with Jehovah, then I probably shouldn't be calling upon Elohim. And I think a lot of us have that kind of a habit. It's like, God, I really don't have time for another relationship in my life, but I sure want your power. I sure want you to fix things. I sure want you to take care of stuff. We do that, don't we? The last name I want to bring up is Adonai. And it means my Lord, the, my Lord. This is his Lord name. This is, he is the boss. He's in charge. He's the Lord. He's the king. Adonai means my Lord. And uh, uh, Romans 10, 9, if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. Part of salvation is understanding lordship. That Jesus is my Lord. That means he's my boss. Problem is, if you're not okay with Adonai telling you what to do, we probably shouldn't call upon the power of Elohim. See, what I'm wanting us to kind of get to a place of is understanding, to get to a place where we understand that the personal part of prayer is the most important part here. When I meet with my father, he's still Elohim. He's still Adonai. But so often what we do is we, we get so familiar, don't we? We get really familiar with the idea and the concept of God. Let, let me show you how. So one of the things I, I began by asking everybody to kind of stay seated, right? Because I've been sitting here and I can see everything. I can see. One day I, I, I was sit, sitting in the back of a service and I was just watching 
three or four people just having an entire conversation while somebody was speaking up front. One day I sat in the back of a service kind of watching. I saw people scrolling through Facebook while service was going on. I won't say the names, but I'm sitting there going, wow, we're in God's house. Like, this isn't my house. This isn't my room. This is not an Eastler building anymore. Right now, where you're sitting, you're sitting in God's house. This is his. And when we come in here, we should have respect. Hallowed be thy name. Like, when we sit down, we should be like, I am meeting. I'm in the presence of the almighty God. There should be some respect in his house. I think sometimes we just get so familiar, we get so comfortable with just the concept of of God that we just kind of like, well, he doesn't really care. He wanted to meet with you. You're the one that doesn't care. Guys, when we come into this house, what I want us to do is understand who it is we're meeting so that that when we have a need, we know who we're meeting with. And not just a focus on what I need. I want to meet with God. I want to meet my maker. I want to stand in the presence of God. I want him to love me. I want to draw near to him. Hallowed be thy name. Guys, this week, I want you to think about that first line of this prayer all week long. Just really think about it. Journal about it. Pray about it. Think about it. Man, if you want to have conversations about it, start up a conversation. Worship team, I want you to come on up. So we're going to do our invitation a little bit differently today. I'm going to read some scriptures over you. And I really want you guys to spend a lot of time this week thinking about his name. I want you to think about the name that is above all names. Think about that, right? The name above all names. The name that every tongue will confess and every knee will bow. That's the name. We sing about power in the name, but sometimes we don't even show respect for the name. In a lot of ways, it's kind of like parenting. Sometimes a, a father or a mother will start out calling their children buddy. Hey, buddy. They'll start treating their child like the child is their friend. You're a parent. Listen. When we start treating the child like a friend, then what we're doing is we're putting that child on the same level as us. And so they see us as a peer and not the authority. And we start this off at a very young age for children. Because we don't want to spank the little child. We don't want to correct the little child. And because quite frankly, when they do something wrong, it's still kind of cute. And then one day they start throwing a fit on the floor. And they start stomping and screaming, demanding things from the parent. All because we never made them respect us. To understand that I love you. I'm not your friend. I'm your dad. I have a job to do that God gave to me. And that job is to raise you up. To honor him.
if your children won't respect you, how in the world are they ever going to respect our Father in heaven? Parents, get your home back. Get your home back. Sometimes it's going to cost. They're going to be mad at you. They're probably even, maybe even tell you that they hate you. That's okay, I love you. And this is how it's going to be in this house. You're going to respect the authority in this house. My dad used to always tell me, he says, I said, why, why do I have to do this? And he said, I, because I said so. I don't even have to tell you why, you're just going to do it. Then it would be a, a yes sir following. So as we, this invitation is not necessarily just a call to prayer, it's actually going to be a call to praise. I want you to close your eyes for a moment. And I'm just going to read some psalms over you. Just close your eyes and I want you to receive. Psalm 68, sing to God. Sing praises to his name. Exalt him who rides on the clouds by his name, Yahweh. And rejoice before him. Psalm 72, his name shall endure forever. His name shall continue as long as the sun, and men shall be blessed in him. All nations shall call him blessed. Blessed be the Lord God, the God of Israel, who only does wondrous things. Blessed be his glorious name forever. Let the whole earth be filled with his glory forever and ever. Amen and amen. Psalm 96. Oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord and bless his name. Proclaim the good news of his salvation from day to day. Declare his glory among the nations. His wonders among all the people. For the Lord is great and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods. For all gods of the peoples are just idols. But the Lord made the heavens. Honor and majesty are before him. Strength and beauty are his sanctuary. Give to the Lord, O families of all the peoples. Give to the Lord glory and strength. Give to the Lord glory due to his name. Bring an offering and come to his courts. Oh, worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. Psalm 100. Make a joyful shout to the Lord, all you lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who has made us and we not ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful to him and bless his name for the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting and his truth endures to all generations. Psalm 135. Praise the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Praise him, O you servants of the Lord. 
You who stand in the house of the Lord, in the courts of his house of our God, praise the Lord, for the Lord is good. Sing praises to his name, for it is pleasant. Psalm 148, let them praise the name of our Lord, for his name alone is exalted. His glory is above all the earth and heaven, and he has exalted the horn of his people. The praise of all his saints. Of the children of Israel, people who draw near to him. Praise the Lord. Sometimes we just need to cry out to God. Psalm 18. I will love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my strength in whom I trust. You are my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I will call upon your name who is worthy to be praised. So shall I be saved from my enemies. The the pangs of death surround me. The floods of ungodliness made me afraid. The sorrows of hell surround me. The snares of death confront me. And in my distress, I call upon the Lord. And I cried out to my God. And he heard my voice from his temple. And my cry came before him, even to his ears. Psalm 142. I cry out to the Lord with my voice. With my voice to the Lord, I make my supplication. I pour out my complaint before him. I declare before him my trouble. When my spirit is overwhelmed within me, then you knew my path in the way which I walk. They have secretly set a snare for me. Look on my right and see which I walk. They have secretly. For there is no one who acknowledges me. Refuge has failed me. No one cares for my soul. I cried out to you, O Lord. I said, you are my refuge, my portion in the land of the living. Attend to my cry, for I am brought low. Deliver me from my persecutors, for they are stronger than I. Bring my soul out of this prison, that I may praise your name. Then the righteous shall surround me, for you shall deal bountifully with me. Whether we need to cry out today or sing praise to his name, that's what this time remaining will be for.